Welcome to Bits, Bytes and Bourbon, the podcast that covers the worlds of technology, gaming, and geekdom with a fine tasty beverage. Hosted by Julian Spillane from Kermi Games and Avinash Singh from Easy Tech Care, this relaxed, off-the-cuff podcast is rich with non-sequiturism debates on whether they should have taken the red pill or the blue pill. All right. Well, welcome once again to another episode of Bits, Bites, and Bourbon. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one because we're not known for our brevity, but under a little bit of a time crunch. So it is not an error in your podcasting listing. Uh, yes, indeed, this is going to be less than 30 minutes, which is quite a feat for a podcast that averages an hour and a half. So uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the lightning round. This <laughs> yeah. is the lightning round. We're, we're going to do our best to have some degree of, uh, of brevity, but who knows? Exactly. We'll see how it goes. Uh, as always, I'm accompanied by Julian Spillane from Comey Games, and uh, I'm Avinash Singh from Easy Tech here, and who is rapidly becoming not a friend of the pod, but a regular host. <laughs> uh, Ori Falconer from Coma Games is in the house as well. We Thank basically you. live here at the office. So. Yes, yeah. this is kind of what we do. <laughs> and before we forget to do this, because on a few podcasts we haven't mentioned it, we are partaking in something a little bit special here. It is not local, which is kind of against our normal grain, but we had to give it a go, which is uh, some Vecchia Romagna, uh, which is a wonderful brandy. Uh, from, uh, from Italy. In fact, uh, the uh, I guess the, 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 the distiller that makes it over in Italy, or the, the vineyard that makes it over in Italy, because brandy comes from grapes, um, it was the very uh, uh, Jean Bouton, who was the, uh, um, the brandy maker for Napoleon. And uh, he moved from uh, France over to Italy to start this thing up. Uh, so they've been, they've been making brandy for a few hundred years, and... Uh, it is delicious, let me say. Uh, so yeah. as I take a sip of the brandy, I'm going to just throw it out to our first topic. And the one thing we wanted to talk about um, uh, was quickly uh, the huge uh, big news over in the, in the tech world, uh, particularly in the gaming world, was, a Bethesda, was a, uh, the acquisition of Bethesda Games by Microsoft. Yeah, so mm-hmm. a year ago uh, it was announced, or I guess over the summer, it was announced that Microsoft would be buying ZeniMax Media, the parent company of Bethesda, uh, softworks uh, whole cloth and pulling everything into the uh, the Microsoft family and uh, that deal just closed yesterday mm-hmm. um, and finalizing the entire transaction and kind of a foregone conclusion but it was it was possible that Zenimax shareholders or Microsoft shareholders could reject the deal mm-hmm. and it was also quite possible that government intervention could come into play but um, looks like none of that happened and everything's good to go mm-hmm. and uh it kind of leaves in question um, what the future of Bethesda titles are from a cross-platform perspective. Yeah, they. I know they've uh, at least promised that the ones that are currently in the works or the ones that have currently been promised for like PS4, PS5, or what have you, are still coming. So yeah, they, like, still like to, Death they still have Loop, to honor those. Yeah. Deathloop is... Uh, is still coming to PlayStation, um, but I don't think it's coming to PlayStation 5. I think it is PlayStation oh, 4. okay. I guess, yeah, they probably... That makes sense that they would, they would kill the, the cross-platform stuff for uh, the next gen. Yeah. But, like, uh, Doom Eternal for Switch is still coming, or I think, or did yeah, that happen? Yeah, I, I think that happened, and also I think... Or, or no, or maybe it's coming. I know Doom 2016 is, but... But I, I, but I think that Microsoft is... 
they do they don't see the Nintendo Switch as a competitor in the way yeah. that they see Sony as a competitor. Right. So I think for them, if it can get on Switch, it should mm-hmm. um, because it just increases their market share. Because I don't think there's much overlap between Xbox gamers and Switch gamers mm-hmm. for for those kinds of titles. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. Uh, could this be part of a, a larger overarching strategy by Microsoft to basically acquire as much gaming IP as they possibly can to become to make Xbox Live the Disney Plus of gaming? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, they just put it onto every single platform because they don't care about how it sells anymore. And they're rolling out. So, so they've been very steadily, slowly prepping to roll out their cloud gaming solution. They're, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I would call it a Stadia competitor, except. <laughs> What is, there to exist, yeah. Yeah, what is there to compete with? <laughs> yeah. um, but And Project xCloud, which I'm sure will have a much... Actually, it'll probably just be called xCloud because Microsoft's naming conventions are terrible. That's yes. right. No, it'll uh, be xCloud Series X. Yeah, right? Series X Pro <laughs> 1. Um, yeah. But they've been steadily, slowly rolling it out, and people who have been testing it have been really positive about it. And I think the plan is to just transition Game Pass over to that as much as possible. I see that happening for sure. And like... Microsoft's problem traditionally has always been like a lack of in-house IP. Right. Um, outside of like big things like Forza and Halo. Like mm-hmm. those are the two things you think of when you think of Microsoft in, in the gaming space. But they've made a lot of strides in the last couple of years of acquiring some big name IP and big name studios. And Bethesda is a big slew of them. Like if, if Microsoft is now the house of Fallout, of... Uh, the Elder Scrolls of Doom, Wolfenstein, like all mm-hmm. these like very long legacy IPs, uh, then that's a huge shoot, uh, huge shot in the arm for them for sure. Right. Yeah. Now here's the question. Also, then what, what begs the question is when Microsoft ultimately makes that move uh, of Xbox Live being cross platform, mm-hmm. um, how does Sony respond to that? Because. Uh, that places Sony in a position where they are a couple of strategic missteps away from becoming the television manufacturer of gaming. Well, but, well yes like and they, no. Because, they're building because, hardware well, at that point. Well, yes right? and no, because Microsoft, like, as long as Sony and Microsoft are competitors, Game Pass will never appear on a PlayStation platform, right? Right. And, right. Of course, and, so- yeah. and Sony totally- has been on their own buying spree not as big but yeah. they're buying up studios and producing content i think it's going to end up being that the playstation becomes the last of the fixed in your living room dedicated gaming devices mm. uh and and as we see x cloud rolling out into set into tvs and and right. you know smart tvs and on the switch and other things mm. it becomes a content platform which i think microsoft is desperate to get towards because they always lose money on their hardware Right. In this case, they could just flip a switch, and yes, obviously they have to deal with bandwidth costs, uh, but they already have all their Azure cloud That's setup, exactly right? it, right? They own they the They're buying so much bandwidth now. I mean, they are literally the second largest bandwidth purchaser on Earth after Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So... For them, if there's an increase in bandwidth users, they just couldn't even care. Like, it's, it's, it's not even... Not even part of their arithmetic now, yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. they've, they've scaled everything up to such a degree. Mm-hmm. So, so the interesting thing then is that you know, and and then further to your point, Julian, uh, as mobile technology gets better and better and better, their move to that cloud would then you know create the possibility or at least incentive for mobile phone manufacturers to create 
something of a Switch-esque version of where you could dock it and actually play it and that kind of stuff sure. on a bigger yeah, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right now, they have no motivation to do that because we'll, you know, what's the point? Well, and even, even beyond that, I think that the benefit of cloud gaming is I could be playing a, uh, a game on my phone that is an xCloud game using a virtual joystick or something or a controller. But, you know, I could be just doing, it could be a, in a smaller game that doesn't require that much Twitch. Sure. Uh, but then I walk in the house, shut my phone screen off, boot up my TV, and immediately resume where I was playing because the cloud will have saved my, right. my, my progress. So you wouldn't even need to have a dockable platform because mm-hmm. xCloud it will be platform universal. So, so long as that xCloud executable runs on whatever device you have, mm-hmm. you should be able to pick up and play. And I think mm-hmm. that's the intention. Um, that, that very much seems to be the, the fu- their, their futurism. Whether or not that becomes their reality, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a possibility of that whole dockable thing, mainly because Microsoft already kind of wanted to do that with their own mobile tech. And... You know, between Microsoft and Apple, uh, you can see where the river is starting to move, right? And with Apple, with their latest version of Mac OS and their M1 chips that they're using, uh, on the using an M1 chip and running the latest version of, of Mac OS, you can actually run iOS apps on your Mac, mm-hmm. right? So they're already starting, you're starting to seeing the harmonizing of those two platforms. So it, it, it right now, immediately into focus, is something that I've been predicting for years which is your mobile phone is your only computing device and you just plug it into different shells or form factors depending on what your computer usage is Mm. so you plug it into a dock and now you can watch movies on a projector or you can um you can play video games on it or you slide it into a into a monitor with a slot in it and now it's your desktop and away you go yeah the real i think Mm. the real impediment to that is going to be standardization yeah 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 absolutely Mm. but um you know what we've what we've seen at least on the on the PC side of things or on the non Apple side of things is a basic standard standardization around Android. Yes. So as long as and this will be the next step that I think manufacturers would start be demanding of Google, which is we need underlying standardization so that developers don't have to test on every single Android phone that ever comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it works on Android, it works on Android. We don't have to test if it runs on every bloody Apple product. If it works on iOS, it works on iOS, right? Within reason, like you might have to account for form factors, right? But mm-hmm. at least your code will run. Right? Yeah, I think the problem is the lack of, so the wide variety of Android devices mm-hmm. cause lots of complications for expected performance expected memory expected all kinds of things right mm-hmm. like apple has the luxury of uniformity yep yeah they, 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 it's a totally vertically integrated market right whereas you know there are really really you can go buy a 75 dollar android phone tomorrow yeah that is significantly different from the 700 dollar android phone you buy right <laughs> absolutely yep. um so it, it's a problem to solve but it's an interesting one yeah um in other gaming news today uh big announcement dot amu publishers of uh wonder boy uh the dragon's trap uh remake as well mm. as streets of rage 4 uh, announced their partnership with Nickelodeon and Montreal's own tribute games uh, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. I was Hell pretty excited yeah. about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge mark for beat 'em ups in general, and just you know, it's it's hard to overstate how how much Turtles in Time was such a a mainstay of yep. of that era in my childhood. And I I've always been 
hopeful for more and more turtles beat em ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're just there's nothing like them. And they're it's, leaning heavy into basically the greatest Ninja Turtle games and one of the greatest um, arcade games ever, which was the Teenage Ninja Turtles arcade game. Yeah, yeah, right? that that like, and Turtles in Time are, are like two of the best arcade beat em ups ever. Absolutely, yeah. and so. Uh, so I was, I was really delighted to see that, that, that they're just leaning into that, and that's why bro- why make something, or fix something that isn't broken, right? Yeah, so. exactly, mm-hmm. and, and it looks like they're modernizing it, um, like, with just, you know, the beautiful pixel art that, that Tribute Games is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, see, so I'm excited, yeah, like, I, I've known about it now for the better part of a year, and uh, <laughs> it's nice to see it in the wild so that's i right. can talk about it um but that's super exciting dear listeners there aren't very many secrets amongst the three of us <laughs> friends and that was one of them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so because you know it wasn't my secret to tell that's, that's just right. usually, yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. usually the ones we don't share mm-hmm. um but yeah that's gaming it's been you know it's been an eventful week i guess yeah. uh, i would say it's the last time we spoke was a week ago and, yeah yeah you know, look at this not only did we this is our second podcast in a week but we did a WandaVision live show as well. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. Last week. So let's just hop right into that. Yeah. Um, well, one tiny last uh, oh, sure. uh, gaming news is also today we launched uh, Money Fight on Switch. True. Oh, absolutely. That's right. In North America. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. So now it's now it's like fully out. It's yeah. worldwide, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> so. PlayStation, Nintendo, yep. PC, worldwide. And, well, except for Japan, um, which we'll have... News about that coming soon. Yeah, nice. But uh, nothing yeah, yeah. to say at this point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, so cheers to that, gentlemen. Yeah, cheers. Clinky, clinky. All around. Now let's let this baby get us rich. Mm-hmm. So, getting back to WandaVision. So we watched, we, we did the live show on Clubhouse uh, last week. Uh, watched the finale of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I got to say, they stuck the landing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are a lot of there, there are a lot of whiny fucks out there. <laughs> I'm gonna say it I, that are that that in their heads, and this is a huge problem I have with internet culture right now in general about pretty much everything is the speculating themselves into a frenzy and then being disappointed when the showrunners don't deliver on the things that they had just speculated about. Well, yeah. So the fun of of a whodunit, especially like one that drops like once a week, is the speculation and, and you know, mm-hmm. everybody had their own theories and like it's there's lots of red herrings. It's mm-hmm. a mystery, right? So most people are gonna be wrong. Yeah. By nature. But like the That's fun part of the, the fun, fun of it. yeah, for <laughs> me the fun of it is like I have some ideas on where they could be going and some of that is informed by my you know, my experience with Marvel Comics in general, mm-hmm. but well, and the all other, of that ended up being wrong, and I still thought it was and great. They still yeah. nailed it, right? And and I think I don't know. I just have this issue with the way the internet has decided to to read into everything, especially right. like fandoms, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So like, oh well, don't you know that in this interview? Paul Bettany made a reference to working with one of the best actors he's ever worked with before, and he's always wanted to. Well, so that means it's going to be Patrick Stewart, and it's going to be the X Men crossover. It's like, <laughs> exactly. dude, it's it's an interview, and he was making a joke. Yeah. The joke was that it, he it was got him. to work alongside himself. <laughs> yeah, so right. it, it was being cheeky, and, we, and people are people are actually legitimately mad oh, on the internet. Like, you, how dare you do this to me? It's like no. I'm, I'm assuming that's uh, a vocal minority. Mm. 
I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah. By by far and away, everyone seems to agree that if this was just a this yeah. was a tour de force. If this, oh, this, if this yeah. is yeah. like a sign of things to come for MCU offerings within Disney Plus as like you know like weekly TV offerings, like I'm I'm super on board. Now yeah. I will I, I do think there are a lot of people who are going to be disappointed when Falcon and the Winter Soldier premieres and isn't uh, every week it pushes the MCU forward mm-hmm. kind of show because I think that show is built more to be like a multi season like yeah like thing it's it's meant to be its own thing yeah um, especially because it was supposed to come out well before WandaVision and Absolutely. and yeah. we were already supposed to have had uh, um, Black Widow Black Widow yeah. yeah. By now, so I, yeah, and it, it definitely seems to be more of what you typically would expect from like you know like a a Captain America story and like the mm-hmm. the way the movies have set up, but like I hope that WandaVision is an, a a uh, you know a, a sign of them being more experimental and a little more like introspective and doing like really character focused. Uh, stories and shows. Not to say that like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier isn't going to be character driven. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for their it. dynamic between the two of them is going to drive that entire yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's I'm just be- like it doesn't seem like it has like it's. I don't think it's going to be like nearly as uh, you know like I, I say gimmicky in in the in it's not the right word to use, but right. like yeah, you know, like WandaVision was very like inspired in its presentation right. and, and and you know it had like kind of a thesis to its aesthetic. Whereas, like, Captain, uh, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm just kind of on board for the ride of more right. fun banter between uh, Anthony Mackie and uh, Sebastian. Yeah. Falcon uh, and the Winter yeah. Soldier, I think, is going to be a return to what we typically expect of the MCU. Oh, it's, well, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a yeah, TV yeah. show. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think Marvel has, in a way, amongst their hardcorest fans, shot themselves in the foot a little bit with everything setting up something else because now invariably people watch something and ask how does this set up the next piece of content without giving a sh- like without taking a moment to go okay why don't i just enjoy w- yeah. what i have right now just right. in the moment yeah. yeah and i think the problem of this interconnected megaverse is that yeah it's never about the thing right in a lot of people's minds it's about where it's leading to mm-hmm. yeah and i'm, I'm mm-hmm. hoping falcon winter soldier will pull people out of that yeah the interesting thing too as well you know speaking of you know content whatnot because of the logjam that COVID created this year, we've got ten Marvel productions, Marvel Studios productions, yeah, coming out before the end of the year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big year, right? It's a huge year. Yeah. So we've already had WandaVision, yep. we've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then we've got Loki. No, Black then, Widow before. Sorry, that. Black Widow. Yeah, sorry, that's right. And then we've got Loki. Yeah. Uh, then at some point we're gonna this year we're gonna be getting uh, the What If series. Yeah. Yeah. Right, which is gonna be fantastic. Um, that's not going to push Marvel. the MCU forward in any way. No, that's just weird <laughs> bullshit. And I'm that's here right. for it. Exactly. Uh, Ms. Marvel wrapped. So it's coming out this year. No, it's 2022. Uh, from what I understand, it's actually this year. Really? Well, you guys fact check me on that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the devices are being reached for right now. <laughs> so uh, so we've got Ms. Marvel. We've got... Um, uh, the 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 you know the big thing that that WandaVision led into, which is the multiverse of madness. Is that this year too? That's this year. Thor, March twenty twenty two. Double check. Yes, I we I we just talked about this the other day that it's that multiverse is of madness is March twenty twenty two. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. We talked about this the whole year. Right. Yeah. 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 
Uh, and uh, Thor: uh, Love and Thunder is coming out this year, I believe. No, twenty twenty two. I think they're that still well. filming. That. There is there are only four thing. There are only only four movies coming out this year. Uh, <laughs> it's still a lot. Black Widow, Shang Chi, and the Legend oh, of the Ten Rings. Oh, I forgot Shang and Eternals. Eternals and Spider Man No Way Home comes out December seventeenth, twenty twenty. Right, right. Okay, so hang on a second. So it's still four a lot. features. And then we had WandaVision already. Yeah. We've got uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Loki. And what if? Right. What if? So four, That's four movies eight. and four now, TV allegedly, shows. Allegedly, Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel are slated as just blank 2021. Right, and Ooh. so Hawkeye's, I think, has already wrapped or is really close to wrapping. But what, but what if What if is just says summer 2021? I don't think, if, if we don't have a date... Right now, like mm-hmm. like Loki premieres June eleventh, twenty twenty one. Right, yeah. If we definitely. don't have a date for Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel. I don't think we're seeing them until twenty twenty two because yeah. the date would be October twenty twenty one. But yeah. let's, let's take, let's take there, a step like, back from that. What if's not going to get pushed because it's an animated? I'm going to challenge you on that only because what they've done with Disney Plus nicely now is they've stacked it up so there's only a couple weeks gap between Marvel Studio shows. Yeah. Right. So. In uh, what a week from now, a week from tomorrow, uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier starts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then uh, that runs through to the end of May, beginning of June. A couple of weeks pass, Loki kicks in. Yeah. Uh, that runs until probably around August. A couple weeks passed. Uh, what if kicks in? Uh, that runs until probably uh, beginning of October. A couple weeks pass. Ms. Marvel or Hawkeye kicks in. A couple weeks pass. I just and don't. Then you've got December. I just don't. Know I just how think they, it's like a steady thing. But that, then you've got the movies in between. I just don't know how their marketing machine can sustain interest in that for mm. that. Like, and then they might be setting themselves up for a failure of cadence in the next year, mm. right? If they right because because they they don't have anywhere near that volume of stuff lined up. Right. Behind, so why would right? you blow it all? If you don't have to, yeah, right? because because COVID stopped a lot of production, which means their the logjam is coming out now for the previous year, right? But the stuff that couldn't be shot because last year's, you know, missing blip, um, means that we're going to at some point they're going to run out of content. Now, having said mm-hmm. that, they may want to still push all that content through this year because. You know, for example, Ms. Marvel stuff was probably originally slated for this year because that other stuff was slated for last year. And so maybe they're taking this as an opportunity to catch up on their on their on their releases so that they can resume their normal release schedule. The only next thing year I, again. that I could see them doing is if if they're gonna go at that cadence, is if they're gonna try and do like a Berlanti verse thing where shows are airing concurrently on different days and tying it to one another. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I could see them doing it because you know, keep in mind a lot of this is also a goal to drive subscriber count. If right. too many things are back ended with each other, you're not going to get as many opportunities to get a whole new group to join up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to be very strategic. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'll be, I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I think the stuff that isn't dated will likely remain undated. Right. Mm-hmm. Until yeah, that's, that's 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 a valid until 2022. A valid theory, of it. absolutely. Um, but on that on that note, a little bit of extra news there as well. Uh, I think it was yesterday or today. Um, Disney announced a hundred million subscribers of Disney Plus. Yeah, damn, hundred million. I would. That service it. is pulling down twelve billion dollars a year in revenue right now. I mean, it's a mon- twelve billion. It's, it's a monolith of content. And, and also, and I want to point out, as of 
February 10th. Netflix, sorry, as of fourth quarter 2020. So this is, uh, this article is recent, but the data is from the fourth quarter. Right. Netflix has 203 million subscribers. So Disney Plus in two and a half years. No, in, 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 in 14 months. 14 months? Did it really only launch, I guess, yeah, 14 months yeah. has achieved half the subscriber count of Netflix. Fuck. Because remember, wow. Disney Plus basically launched with the first season of The Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, October. Yeah, so maybe, maybe sixteen months or so. It's yeah. man, I have conflicting thoughts about that because you know I love all the content that's available on. Well, you know the content that I I want from Disney Plus is pretty much there, and like all the new stuff they're making is great. Um, but I'm way, I am <laughs> much more excited about the content itself rather than the fact that I'm giving passive income to. Disney, oh, I know. To, to Disney. Well, what, what, yeah, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> and and, but and where so the, many other people are, too. Like but where the significance is, is something that we referenced uh, in, a, in a podcast, I think, from la- early last year, where we were talking about Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I know it was from a podcast from last year. It was like back like April of last year we were talking about it, where, you know, the theory or the, the, the notion that people were talking about at that time, well, movies, theaters can't go away because mm-hmm. where's all that money going to come from? And, are, you know, it doesn't make sense to make movies if you're not going to put them in theaters. Well, this whole thing puts it on its ear. In 2019, and that's what we listed on the podcast, in 2019, Disney broke all records for a single studio's revenue in a single year at $6 billion for a single year box office. That's gross, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, they netted out out of that six billion. They netted out maybe four. Well, and I think Disney right? Plus revenues will more than offset the lack of feature film revenue. Hundred yeah, percent. So now they've got yeah, a situation easily. where they're at a run rate today with zero growth for the rest of the year of twelve billion dollars in the next twelve months for Disney Plus, of which they get to keep all of it. And I think because Disney's really taken this strategy of focusing on really strong tentpole original content mm-hmm. um, and staggering it, mm-hmm. people aren't going to lapse in the way Netflix subscribers lapse. That's yeah. right. So just to put it in perspective, I was looking at historical data just now. It took Netflix six years to go from 30 million subscribers to 130 million subscribers. Wow. It took Disney 14 months to do that same yeah. that ramp up. Now, obviously... Netflix walked so that Disney Plus could run. Yes. Um, but And Disney grabbed as much of its content from Netflix so that they could compete with it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing, too, is that if you take a look at Netflix, they're spending... I, I, didn't, I didn't look at the numbers that you looked at, but the last time I saw Netflix numbers, they're spending on an annualized basis somewhere between 14 and $15 billion on licensing fees. Mm-hmm. Right? Disney spends zero. Right, because it's all their own content. It's all their own content. Well, 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 well. Disney acquired Fox for many billions, and Disney (laughs) acquired Lucas for... for Sure, sure, sure. But the point being is is that they're not paying licensing fees. Yeah. So when you're taking a look at, for example, Netflix uh, dropping $14, $15 billion a year, um, now you're talking about a situation where two, four, six, seven... Uh, it's a seven-year ROI on the acquisition of Fox, just on streaming rights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, because again, you you're just bringing that yeah. number down to zero, right? Yeah. So the arithmetic changes now for the acquisition of content, mm-hmm. and Disney's really pioneering that. And you're going to see now uh, other studios falling over themselves trying to make similar acquisitions. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. But, there's no, but, but there's no but, one left, right? But what is yeah. left to buy? Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> so, well, I mean, like every every content 
uh, provider is caught in wind to the trend and is making their own platforms now. So, like, Netflix used to be the umbrella that everything went into. That's right. And now, you know, Paramount's not going to play ball because they've got their own. Yep. And, like... It's basically uh, the big four, right? It's it's, yeah. it's Disney, Netflix, um, Viacom, and yeah. Comcast, right? Yeah. Like, and they're not... None of them are going to Basically, budge. everything is owned by four things. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so Netflix's EBITDA, um, for you non-accounting folks, that is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, uh, was $15 billion U.S. this year. Mm-hmm. Comparably, Disney's was $17 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's just earnings, right? That's so right. the cost, like, if, if Netflix is spending comparable amounts to their earnings on licensing fees... Mm-hmm. Their, their growth, their potential for growth is, is really heavily stymied, right? That's right. And also keep in mind the number of people who are probably choosing to subscribe to one service over the other, right? Um, yeah. Now that the options are there and the content split, I don't, like, I'm one of the people who's just, I subscribe to literally yeah. everything. I I'm, don't know a single person, a single person, correct me if I'm wrong, or your experience is different, mm-hmm. who has chosen between Disney Plus and Netflix. They just subscribe to both. No, no, I mean, Disney Plus and Netflix are the only two that I have. Yeah. Like, those are basic. Like, I, I'm still on the fence about, you know, there's stuff on HBO mm-hmm. and, and and Paramount that I would like to see. Of which but I only, can't Paramount's justify. the only one that's available in Canada. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, HBO, um, HBO still has the deal with um, uh, Bell for exclusive, yeah. exclusive mm, content. So yeah. all HBO content in Canada is on Crave. Right. Not on uh, HBO Max. And that's a th- that's also like we're Canadians and it's a confusing landscape of well oh, yeah. we don't actually get this service but it's actually it's provided halfway by another service. Oh, and, don't get me started like, on King of the Hill. Yeah, oh, like yeah. we were talking about this earlier today. So we try. So when so Disney Plus in in Canada just launched Disney Plus Star service, which is all of the Fox properties that they acquired that aren't like kid friendly library content. Mm-hmm. Um, that they you know that you can watch so you can watch your for Futurama. our American listeners it's basically yeah. it's it's the Hulu it's the content of Hulu it, yeah so right. you've got your your Futurama you've got Firefly on there you've got mm-hmm. Buffy and various I'm things. sure yeah, that yeah, yeah. when the Orville the next season of the Orville comes out it's going to be on Star yep, yep absolutely yep. Uh, Simpsons obviously which has been there since since early days of yeah. Disney Plus now you've got Family Guy Family Guy conspicuously absent is King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can surmise based on this, I did some digging because I'm, I'm a huge fan of King of the Hill. As it's impossible mm-hmm. to watch in, in, in Canada legally. Just impossible. And here's why I th- what I think happened. So literally months before Disney and Fox finalized their deal, um, Fox had agreed to sell the rights to Viacom uh, for King of the Hill and The Cleveland Show. And comedy was going to pick that up, and it was going to air on on comedy, right? Comedy Central. Um, somehow, some like th- then a month or two later, Disney announced its acquisition of 20th Century Fox, uh, and at that point, the Viacom deal was never heard of again. The press release went out; it was announced. Nothing happened. Um, the The shows never transferred over; were never aired on comedy. And Do you the, think it's maybe a standoff, kind of like with? Uh, Marvel and Universal over the Hulk? Well, the most I can surmise is this. Disney wouldn't let something like that happen, I think, that close to the acquisition. So I bet you they paid Viacom a boatload of money, said, you don't own these anymore, mm-hmm. but 
congratulations, here's two X of your cost back or something, right? Right. But because King of the Hill was already on Hulu, there was probably a stipulation that it cannot be moved to a new service or it cannot be redistributed uh, or re- renegotiated for a set period of time because, you know, we had all these plans and now your giant acquisition of Fox is messing with those plans. It's cost us this much, so we need to put a muzzle on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means that it's still available in the U.S. for Hulu watchers to watch, mm-hmm. but we can't get it anywhere here because of these weird legacy agreements that, and, and you know, like, because Disney has cut all the agreements with Global and all mm-hmm. those people who are airing, you know, Simpsons. Not cut it, but they, they, they tacitly they, they, They've understand. announced that, like, we're not renewing these. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. As soon as they expire, they're done, right? So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. But yeah, I, and I, like, I guess... You know, it's been a short, it's been a pretty uh, quiet week. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. fairly quiet, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the overarching of everything, obviously, in the world that we live in, has to be COVID. And I think, you know, weather's actually getting nicer up here in Toronto. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, like, it's just gorgeous outside right now. Uh, you know, so... People are starting to find their way back outside again, at least in this neck of the woods. And it's coinciding with a rapid increase in the availability of COVID vaccines. So now that becomes a more logistic issue. So I think, you know, part of the quietness out there is people starting to feel quietly optimistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think actually that's a good point to end the the podcast. That uh, we are all in this state of zen and quiet optimism. Yeah, the, the, it feels like a brighter day is around the corner. Yeah. yeah Soon we'll be uh, back on a patio with a beer in hand, oh. bitching about Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for doing that, by the way. Outstanding segue, which is, we're, this is all we're going to mention about it. So the Snyder Trilogy is something that we're going to look into. The Snyder Cut of Justice League is coming out next week. We're going to try to squeeze in watching and doing a live show of both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition, prior to us (laughs) getting drunk watching Justice League. This is definitely something I'm going to need to do with friends, because I I couldn't go through that again alone. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, we'll be doing that on, I'm thinking we'll probably end up doing it on Clubhouse again. We may, we're looking into other platforms as well to do our live streams, but, uh, but for now, uh, it, it, it's definitely looking like it'll be a clubhouse thing, but keep glued to us over on uh, B3 uh, Cast or B3 Podcast on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, or our Facebook page, which is the Search for Bits, Bites, and Bourbon. You'll find us there. Uh, we'll be posting regular uh, updates on those, and we'll let you know uh, when to catch the live streams of us uh, either discovering something new and nice about these movies or getting or really angry while we watch it. it either way, it'll be a, a wonderful set of episodes of Bits, Bites, Bourbon, and Martha's. That's right. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> and, on that note, and on that note, I've been having I've been from Easy Tech Care. I'm Julian Spillane from Comey Games. Or a follower from Comey Games. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Ciao, guys. Bits, Bites and Bourbon is an Easy Tech cast production and was recorded in the back lounge of Easy Tech Care's offices in downtown Toronto. 
And while the fine spirits we enjoyed tonight weren't sponsored, they should have been. Hint. Hint. For more details about Easy Tech Care, visit them at easytechcare.com. And to see what Comey Games are up to, check them out at comeygames.com.